Well, good morning. Um, how many of you, this is your first time in this class? Okay, good. Yeah, there's always a few. Okay. I never know. It's like you could always rewind and go back. Um, <clears throat> so my name is Andy Reese, and uh, I taught some weeks ago, and then I went off to Australia for three and a half weeks and um, got to come back. Uh, somewhat reluctantly, though, man, it's spring in Australia, and they drive on this side, <laughs> which wasn't hard. The roundabouts were hard. You come up to the roundabouts, you go, shoot, I should just pull over and watch for a while. But what was hard was coming back, and I come to the bottom of my driveway, and I'm like, <sighs> I literally couldn't remember what side of the road I was supposed to drive on. And I keep turning on my windshield wipers to turn. I, I, I'm doing that still to this day. It's just, anyway, very, very fun. If you're looking for a beach vacation, oh my goodness, 87% of everybody lives on the coast in Australia and the beaches are the most unbelievable beaches I've ever seen. Okay, enough of that. <clears throat> I want to get our faith revved up a little bit this morning by having one of you two tell the story of Kingford. So do you, do you want to um, tell it to any other? Here, I'm going to just... The you you do mics. get the mic. Yes. Hello, hello. Testing, testing. Oh, I have to. Because yeah. it's in my pocket. We're a joint deal. Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> clever. It's like the hook, but. Yes. <laughs> so I love this story because it kind of goes along with what Andy's been trying to teach us about just walking in friendship with the Lord. Andy, when you taught last time, you mentioned you described the Holy Spirit as paraclete, which means he's always there with you. And I've told my children about that, and that's really ministered to me. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and go, but he's always with us. Anyway, so prior to anything of Kingford breaking out, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about something was coming up. And I've learned it's a real source of comfort to me walking with the Holy Spirit because I don't expect to be blindsided by things because I've noticed that the Lord prepares me if something event is going to happen, something big, something good, something bad. And so I'm, I'm emotionally prepared and I'm generally prayed up. But before anything came out about Kingford, I felt like two different times the Lord had prompted me and I had no idea what it was, but something's up with Kingford. And I could tell you the way that it happened, but it might sound funny to you, but it's my language with the Lord. And I knew, I didn't know what, but I knew to be praying for him. So I just, you know, Lord, I just pray you'd protect Kingford and deliver him from any evil, whatever you're talking about. Anyways, a few days before um, Kingford's situation broke out, I was just having quiet time with the Lord, and I said, Lord, just give me a word about my life, something coming up, what's going on. And when I do that with the Lord, sometimes I'll hear just, you know, a, a still small whisper in my head of the Holy Spirit speaking to me, or... Um, you know, a variety of things, or sometimes I'll just hear a scripture. And so this time I heard a scripture, and I turned to it. And the scripture was, and Abraham raised his knife over his son. You know, this is the story of when Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac on the altar. I'm sure most of you know that story. And he raised his knife over his son, and the Lord provided a, I think it's a ram. Is it a ram, Andy, do you know? In the thicket, and it did not happen. And I thought, I felt like I heard from you, Lord, but that verse really doesn't mean much to me right now. It's not applicable. 
Okay, so that's where I was spiritually coming into this. So then um, Kingford had been on and off sick. This is Kingford, Exhibit A, right here. <laughs> on and off sick for several weeks to the point where we were like, this is maybe child abuse not to look into this. <laughs> and so we got an appointment through um, Mitch Edgeworth. He goes to church here. He's head of Vanderbilt. He got us in with infectious disease people, and they couldn't figure out what was going on. They said, well, let's do an ultrasound. Maybe it's appendicitis. He said his liver feels large. We didn't know. So we went in, and they said, your child um, has a cyst about, you know, yay big, <laughs> which on his tiny little abdomen is quite significant. You took up, you know, majority of half of his abdomen, which I felt like, you're reading the script from the room next door. That's not my family. That's not my child. It's very hard to hear such shocking news. So they admitted us, and we went through a CAT scan and blood work and all these things trying to figure out what was wrong with him. And they eventually um, labeled it as a lymphatic malformation. And they handed us over then to a surgeon who said, this needs to come out as soon as you can get this done. But... Um, he needs to go home and see if we can get him a little healthier because he was still having these fevers. Anyways, of course, the elders from Otter Creek came over, anointed him with oil, which was so comforting to me because I feel like some parts in the Bible God is vague about how to handle situations. You know, he didn't give us a protocol for how to conduct Sunday service. He didn't do a lot of things, but he, he was very specific, and he said, if any of you is sick, you should call the elders of the church, anoint him with oil, and offer the prayer up in faith, and the sick person will get well. So I thought, check, we have done that. We have done our part, Lord. And they were at our room. You know, we, we, we went on Friday afternoon thinking, you know, we're going for a quick appointment, we'll be home in an hour. You know, and then I, then I spent four nights in the hospital bed with them. <laughs> yeah. But within two hours of us being there, Pat Bennett was already at our hospital room with oil, which was very touching to me. Yes. I mean, he was, it was very touching. We had several people from Otter Creek reach out to us, and you thought, oh, this is why you don't forsake the assembly of believers. You need a prayer army, and you need the physical hug. You need the physical support. People brought food. Franklin Bennett came and brought a balloon and a stuffed animal to Kingford and made us feel so loved. You just, you need that. So don't think you're ever too good for church, because there comes a time in everyone's life where you think, Oh, that's why I go to church and and am there for people. Anyway, so they, we took Kingford home, and we're just praying over him continually. We curse the cyst in the authority in the name of Jesus Christ, and we command every healthy cell in his um, body to blossom. So I went back to the Lord. I was like, Lord, I need another scripture. <laughs> because that one you said about Abraham, it sounds like that you said this is going to be okay, but that surgeon said this needs to come out right away, and that cyst is huge, so I need another word. And so I heard another scripture in my head, and I turned to it, and he said, this invasion that you fear will never happen. I was like, okay, Lord, give me the faith to believe that, because you're telling me it's going to be all okay, but I've seen the cyst on the CT scan, and I've talked to the surgeon, and it's not all okay. Anyway, so we yeah, prayed. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been talking to doctors, working with doctors at Ohio State, all over the country. Yeah, so we felt prompted, let's get another opinion, go see another doctor before we, you know, cut open. So we went to that doctor's appointment after much prayer, and we were talking all about options of things we could do. And I said, well, how will we know if 
you know, this surgery or this therapy will work? And he said, well, we will, um, we'll just ultrasound it to see, you know, how it progresses. And he said, yeah, Friday. He said, here, just top up on the table. I'll show you what I mean. So he got Kingford up on the table and he got the ultra machine out and he's looking around. You could tell something's up. And so he pulls up the old um, ultrasound CAT scan, CAT scan to make sure, you know, he's got the, the before and after. And he's like, I don't see it. <laughs> Which you'd, you'd have to know. It's, it's like this big. You'd see it. And we were like, well, we've been praying that it would go. He goes, well, you may have gotten what you pray for. And he got a phone call and he was like, well, I got to go. We were like, well, what, what do we do? And they're like, well, I guess you could come back in later for another picture if you want. But it was also like dumbfounding. But when you get the miracle that you've been praying for. Anyways, all glory to the Lord and glory to God that he walked me through that as a friend, telling me ahead that it was going to happen, something was going to happen and telling me it's going to be okay. And then healing so whatever you're dealing with don't give up hope or faith god does yeah. answer prayers okay so wait stop mm-hmm. so i want you to pray yeah a release of the miraculous yes amen okay, amen yes lord jesus you have released the miraculous over kingford and you have released the miraculous over us just spiritually letting your holy spirit talk me walk me through this lord and i pray that through this miracle that you would release your power of miracles upon this whole church and upon this room of hungry people. Lord, we receive it, we welcome it, and we call you forth in all of your glory and all of your power and all of your intimacy. We call it forth into this church, into this body of believers. Praise you, Almighty God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you. I love using the mic, by the way. Yeah, I know. Um, what a great example of kind of how it works. Um, in that you have the body working together and doing what's said in the Word. You have uh, faithful people praying. We don't say, well, forget doctors. No, you know, aspirin never healed anybody, never kept anybody from being healed. You know, it's like they did the things, but yet the final dependence was on God to bring about something. Um, you know, it's like, it's like uh, Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God caused the growth. And so um, this class, in my mind, is about us um, learning and understanding that the primary thing that makes us different from the world is not doctrine, it's not belief system, it's not anything else. The only thing that makes us fundamentally different from the world is that we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that we have a born-again spirit. Anybody else can, can espouse a doctrine. that They can do anything, but you can't fake that. Well, you can fake it, but, <clears throat> but you're, e- you're either born again of the Holy Spirit or you're not born again of the Holy Spirit. And so when you, when you read like the book of Acts, we call it the Acts of the Apostles, but really it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And the Apostles are going, Huh. You know, it's like, it's like you, know, that, that, you know, that's kind of the, the word probably that Paul said most was, huh. You know, or Peter going, okay, well, the Holy Spirit fell, fell on the Gentiles. They're speaking in tongues. I guess they ought to be baptized. You know, it, it, was, it was a lot of us following the Holy Spirit's lead and then learning over time to walk in lockstep with the Holy Spirit, but not to run ahead. And so this class is, I think, in many ways, a celebration 
of that fact and then drawing us into an understanding of what that means in our everyday lives. What, what does that really mean? Because we see on one side, we see, well, the Holy Spirit left the Bible and went on vacation. And so we have the word. And we see over here on the other side, kind of crazy caricatures of the Holy Spirit where you go, man, if that's the Holy Spirit, I mean, what? You know, and, and I think both of those ditches are the wrong ditch. They're just not what the Holy Spirit is about. And so um, uh, I see my job. So I was, whatever you want to call it, filled with the Holy Spirit, introduced to the Holy Spirit back in like 74 and have been trying to walk that way since. And I've been in crazy I was in a black Pentecostal church for a while. I had a radio show on black radio in Mississippi. I know. Um, and uh, was in Catholic charismatic group in Washington, D.C. And, and was in a Baptist church in southern Mississippi. That was like the what? You know, and so I have been in a lot of weird circles, uh, fun circles. And we came here because, um, don't cry, dang it, this church does what's on the final exam better than any church I know. Welcomes a stranger, takes care of the poor, takes care of each other. And I think, man, if, if we can begin to, to more and more overtly invite the Holy Spirit into that, it, it will just be unbelievably cool. It just, I mean, I'm not saying we don't. What I'm saying is more and more overtly, kind of on purpose do that. So I spoke, um, a couple weeks ago, my first week teaching this class, and um, Mark, Mark is a hard act to follow because he's so passionate. And if all that happens Sunday to Sunday is we get told to follow the nudges of the Holy Spirit and take a chance, that's probably plenty. You know, that, that's probably enough. Um, so I was going to teach this sort of thing on the Holy Spirit. And I was in the shower and the Holy Spirit like, like this crazy mother who, who just is like, you ever seen a mother who's like just crazy about their new baby and you're just like, this isn't the only baby on earth. I mean, give me a break. And I was like, no, it is the only baby on earth. And, and it was like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me in the shower. Oh, tell him this. Oh, oh. And it was like all these things. It was like, and I had to stick scriptures on them. But it's like, oh, tell them they belong to me. Oh, tell them, tell them I just want to comfort them. Tell, you know, tell, tell them uh, if they feel like orphans or not. You know, it's just, it's just like, I'm like, stop, will you stop? You know, it's like, ah. and I, so I got out and I'm dripping and writing stuff down. And, and really, if all we did was just repeat to ourselves again and again how passionate the Holy Spirit is about us, it would probably be enough. It, you know, if you just think of, of the mother of the child who can do no wrong, no matter how wrong they do, they can do it. That, that's sort of how the Holy Spirit thinks of us and um, wants to step in. Oh my gosh, I've got like six minutes. Um, that's good because then I don't have to prepare for next time. So I'll be here next week as well. Um, the second week, I, I did a horrible job because I left my computer at home and I had no notes. And so I'm like, okay, the baptism of the Holy Spirit in, with, or upon the Holy Spirit. And um, maybe that was good. I just have to trust God in that. But here's the deal. We have the Holy Spirit when we're born again. We, we do. We have the Holy Spirit. We don't have part of the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit when we're born again. But we'd be crazy if we didn't understand that historically and in our own lives, there's more. We'd be crazy if we didn't understand that. It's kind of like 
Salvation is this three-volume set. My sins are forgiven because Jesus died and took them. So, so when I come in to the reality that it's not about sin anymore, not that sin is unimportant. It was so important. Jesus took care of it. When I come into that reality, it's cool. But then maybe 10 years in, I go, oh my gosh. I, you know, it's like, it's like almost like you're born again again. You know, and people go, I don't know if I was actually born again. Because the reality now of what that means is, is washed. And so we, we kind of get that. We have a new life because Jesus was resurrected. All we do is say yes to that new life. And that new life blossoms in so many different ways inside of us that, that we, we can experience that new life. We go, you know, I mean, I was a wild kid. And then I went down front at a Billy Graham crusade. Yes, I'm one of those just as I am. I mean, I was crying during this song today back in 72 um, in Minneapolis. And, uh, but I had a new life. I walked away from that. And my dad was like, what has gotten into you? And don't tell your sisters about it. You know, it's like, I don't know what, what is with you. I'm, I'm, anyway, I was pretty radical. I had to get way back so I could get a real run into the kingdom, I think. But, um, <clears throat> but there's a third thing. We have the fullness of the Holy Spirit because Jesus was ascended into heaven. Peter says, let everyone know for sure that he is Lord and King because of the Holy Spirit that you see. In John, it says, if anyone uh, is thirsty, let him come and drink, and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. By this he spoke of the Holy Spirit, who had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So all three of those volumes are mine. If I only took two home from the store, I can go get the other one. It's packaged. It's waiting there for me. And, and when I read those volumes, I may stop early and then I'll get back to it and go, oh my gosh, this too. And I think that this fullness of walking in the Holy Spirit is one of those, oh my gosh, this twos. Where you look at the book of Acts and it says, for example, um, Peter and John were sent up to Samaria to lay hands on people. And it says they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you go, now wait. But something was so important that Peter and John went up to lay hands on them. And it says then the Holy Spirit fell on them. Now, they were born again. They had the Holy Spirit. But Peter and John were like, ah, but still, right now, more is important. More is really important. And so if you read all through the book of Acts, you see this thing happening. But you also see right there, we also see that, for example, it says that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit at least three times in the book of Acts. Right? The first time at Pentecost, the second time when it fell, then he's about ready to talk to the scribes and Pharisees. And it says, Peter, and in the Greek, like I'm such a scholar, I have books. In the Greek, it says, having just been filled with the Holy Spirit, he begins to speak. And so you go, so there are many fillings. This, this river isn't stagnant. It keeps flowing. And I need to be, to be being filled right here, be being filled with the Holy Spirit because I leak. And, and I want that, that river, which is dynamic, to flow out of me. So if you have never experienced or asked for more of that, then the best thing you can do is just say, uh, Jesus, um, will you fill me with that Holy Spirit? I want to experience everything you have for me. Will you fill me? That's what I did. I mean, some, some, I was 
anyway, I won't tell the story, but that's what I did, and he did. And sometimes things happen. Sometimes crazy things happen. Sometimes it's calm. Sometimes it feels like nothing happens. And then as you're expecting it, you go, huh. You know, and you just kind of, there's kind of a huhness about life. And things start to change. You, you begin to realize, I have a best friend who's really powerful and whatever. Um, the Church of Christ comes by it really honestly, this filling of the Holy Spirit. This is a historical account of the Cambridge Revival. And oh my gosh, now I have been in revivals. I was up at the Toronto Re- Revival. I was down in the one in Pensacola when it hit. Um, <clears throat> I've, I've been part of little revivals in, in our own churches where, I mean, well, I was an elder at Belmont for a lot of years back in the heyday of Belmont. And, and crazy stuff happened, but not this crazy. Not Church of Christ crazy. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, there were times when you touch somebody, they'd go bam on the floor, and you just go, oh my gosh, I didn't, I didn't hurt them. You know, I, I didn't, was there a catcher? You know, but there, we didn't do the whips. See, where, where women's heads are going back and forth so fast by the power of the Holy Spirit that their hair would crack like a whip. And you go, okay, if I saw that happening in the 8 o'clock, 840 service, we would call somebody and haul them out, right? We, we would, and so we have to ask ourselves, okay, he, Aslan's not a tame lion. You know, it's like C.S. Lewis says, he's a lion and he's not a tame lion. And the Holy Spirit is not a tame Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can do crazy things, but will always do gentle things with gentle hearts, always will. But we have to understand some things. And these are the things I want. But first of all, I want to tell you three things. Um, We will all fall and fail in our pursuit of the Holy Spirit. We will think it might be God. And that's why humility is so important. It's so, it's so good to say, I feel, you see Jane here, I feel like God might be saying this, but I wanted to know more. And we went to the doctors and, and, and none of that is off. It's not like, Thus saith the Lord. Man, if you get a thus saith the Lord, he better have appeared in a vision and knocked you off a horse. Okay, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise it's like, I feel like God might be saying this to me and I'm not going to shrink back. Okay, so uh, falling is necessary. Trying things out and I'll, I'll sh- I can show you all this. Number two, learn to walk in the Holy Spirit is not like a never ending struggle. It's like a never ending favorite game with your best friend. Okay, some of us look at this Holy Spirit and it's like something I have to attain. It's not. Can I, can I, I've got to stop. Absolutely, go. <clears throat> I've never heard that said, Andy, but it just knocks me over because honestly, so much of when I grew up, you know, my dad was a disciple of Bethel Barrett Baxter. He was a godly man, mm-hmm. but this was as foreign to me as Russia, right? And I think a lot of my approach and in, in, in my life, it's, it's, it's felt, I've just felt like I've got to fight through this. I've got to figure that I've got to intellectually, I've got to fight through it. And, and, and no knock on Bethel, by the way. That's not what I'm yeah. saying. I'm just saying it was so not, but the invitation to, 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 to relate and to be friends and, like you said, to play with your best friend for some reason in my heart, it's been so hard to accept. 
huh. confess that because, but that's so true. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I don't know if anybody else can relate or not, but I just felt like I had to stop you because that's pro. I think that's really profound because learning to get to know my wife was not a struggle. Right. It was a joy. The, you know, getting to know each other and becoming better friends. And that's what it's supposed to be like, but even better with God. Um, but anyway, I just had to stop you because there's, there's a lot there. Uh, um, I have to tell a couple stories now just because I, th- I think God has the most crazy sense of humor. So I'm, I'm sitting, uh, I get on an airplane, and I, I sit between these two people about two rows back, and I keep getting this little itch like, turn around, look, look around. I'm like, I look back, and there's this, these two young people probably from India or Pakistan sitting, and there's a middle row between them. And I hear in my head, l'amore. And I'm like, you do a bad Italian accent. You know, it's like, it's like I hear l'amore. And I go, what? And I go, oh. So I get up from my seat and like the, the flight attendants go, no, sir, sir, you know, we've closed the door. And I'm like, I've I, I got to take. And so I go up to that seat where the two of them are sitting. And, and I go, can I, you know, I, I need to get a seat. And they're like looking at me. And the guy is in this moment of indecision. And all of a sudden, he slides over to the middle seat. Honey, it was like a movie. The two of them start talking. Then they turn to each other. Then they walk out saying, do you want to get coffee? Let's get coffee. And I'm like, I don't, you know, see, like Holy Spirit wanted to play Cupid. And he needed me to shove that guy over. Because he was like <laughs> doing computer stuff. And she's like, read. And needed them to, to shove over. I'm walking down the street in Portland, Maine, and I'm just walking down the street, ready to go to a meeting, and I hear, go, go now. And, I, and I, it was like an, just an exclamation mark, and the, the door of a bus that was stopping like just suddenly caught, just had sauce on it. I also had sauce on it. And so I go, and I walk to the door, the door opens, a woman falls out into my arm, she stumbled on the steps, it was like it was rehearsed. It's like we tried it several times before we got it right. She lands in my arms, an old woman. I set her on her feet, and I walk away. And all these street people are going, yeah! <laughs> and I'm like, really? I mean, really? And I just think, what a crazy Easter egg life we live, where all these things are hidden not from us but for us. Because our best friend, A, needs something done, but B, loves to just have fun with us, just loves to play, loves the things in the kingdom, there's suffering and there's hardship, but there's a lot of fun too. There's just a lot of joy. That your joy may be full, right? That's the, the spirit has come partially that our joy may be full. And what does that look like? It doesn't look like sad joy, you know, whatever. That it looks like joyful joy. Um, and then... Um, this, it's okay to be the one sitting in church going, God, I need more. And you're not dissing a church. You're just saying, I need, it's okay. You're not, you're not bad-mouthing a church if you want more. In fact, we're probably bad-mouthing a church if we don't want more. I, I, would, I would guess that 
that all the staff would say, go after God, go after more, get more. You're not going to get it. I mean, they've said that at time. You're not going to get everything you need here. Go after more, get more of God, go after more of God. Stir us up. You know, a couple times I've had, had lunch with staff. It's like, no, challenge us. Keep, you know, we love all this diverse, but keep challenging us. And so it's okay to be the one who's going, I need more. I need more is a hunger and thirst thing, but not a judgment thing. You see what I'm saying? It's really important that we don't judge one another. It's really important that we spur one another on to love and good deeds. That we, we consider, uh, this is somewhere in Hebrews, maybe, consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Agape and good deeds is kalo ergon, that is, the things that they were made for. And so we need to just learn how to stir each other up in that way. So, um, I'm going to start this week and then finish next week. See, that saved me some time for next week. Um, I want to make, I want to do five principles about how to, how to relate to or interact with Holy Spirit. Okay. And maybe next week, if we have time, we'll do an exercise. Dum, 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 dum. Um, a fun exercise because Holy Spirit's fun. Um, number one, God is after relationship. He's not after statistics on church growth and you witnessing. He's, yeah, he wants to make disciples of all nations, but with me individually, Holy Spirit is after relationship from start to finish. Intimate, into me see relationship. Holy Spirit wants to be the last one you kiss goodnight and the first one you say good morning to in the morning. The one I, I have tried to make a practice for all these years of walking always with one ear listening for Holy Spirit. Always. In every, I just try to walk that way. Sometimes it means I space some things out. I drove right through Atlanta one time and, you know, I, I was south of Atlanta and went, I was supposed to get off somewhere back there. But, um, and, and that's not bragging on me, but just saying I've, I've tried to cultivate that because I have a best friend. In him we live and move and have our being. What, what does that mean if we don't do that? Out of, out of my belly flows a river all the time. So because the river flows all the time, I can swim in the river anytime I want. It's not like I go away from the river at work and then I come back to the river at night. No, the river flows all the time. And so... Number one, he's after relationship with us. And if we can see that the Holy Spirit is like a mother who will always come see you in your dorm room, no matter whether you want her to or not. You know, it's like, Mom, I mean, you know, my friends and I were going, yeah, can I come? Fine. You know, it's just like, yes. Okay. So Holy Spirit is not that, but just like a, an absolute total best friend. And I'm, I'm going to do one more and then we'll stop. Um. This is a problem. God is not human, right? Um, it's like God is not human and his first language is in English. So if we're okay with those two things, so what that means to us is that I am relating to the most amazing alien that ever pre-existed and existed forever. God isn't human, but then neither am I totally human or only human. In Jude, um, the Christians there were accused of being merely natural. That was a put down. That's what Paul said. He said, you, you're this, this, and this, and you're merely natural. It's like, what's the matter with you? You're just human. And so 
part of that intimacy is for God to draw us into the supernatural part of who we are. And it's not apparent to us. It's not, it, the Holy Spirit doesn't come in and kick furniture around and knock down walls and make us do anything. The Holy Spirit is easily, easily put off. Easily, it's not like that insistent mother. It's like mother says, no problem. Um, I'll, I'll be back tomorrow. Okay, no problem. I'll be busy. Okay. <clears throat> but never gives up on us. But, but it's not human. And if the Holy Spirit were, just came to us just as a human, there would be some limitations there. Because God can communicate more in one nanosecond of burst of revelation than you could read in a book in a week. And that's part of the non-humanist. God can communicate more in a memory plus a picture than, than in lots of words. And so God's, God uses his ways to not only change us into non-humans, but but to draw us into this communion that is hard to explain because his ways aren't our ways. And when I try to explain the relationship using words of human relationship, you go, it's almost, but not quite there. You know, it doesn't quite, well, it's like that, but better. You know, it's like that, but different. Well, it's, well, how does the Holy Spirit lead you? And so we saw Jane Heather say, well, a scripture, a scripture. And I go, I almost never get a scripture. You know, it's like, does that mean, no, it just means, it's like mom, you know, does coffee. You know, my mom does coffee with one of my sisters, would go hiking with another one of my sisters and just makes me take her to lunch. You know, I mean, that, that, was, that was like our relationship growing up and it was all different. And when we get together and talk about mom, it's like, wait, did you have the same mom that I had? And in the same way, it's like, there's a uniqueness about each one of us. And that's where I'm going to end. God knows we are human. And so he has a great plan. So come back next week and we'll pick up right there. Thank you.